0: The Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji. Good to have you with us. And it is good to go to the Quiver River electric guest line today. We have legendary guitarist Steve Hackett with us. You may know him from, well, heck, he was in Genesis for a bit, too. Um, uh, Steve Hackett is with us on KMOX. It is an honor to have you, Steve. How are you?
1: Very well, Chris. Nice to talk to you both.
0: It, it's, it's great to talk to you. Um, a new studio album is out for you called The Circus and The Night Whale. It is available next month. Tell us about it.
1: Sure. It's coming out on uh, February the 16th, um, two days after, after uh, Valentine's Day. The perfect present, of course. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a, a musical biography. Um, it's, it's narrative. It's a story. It's my life. It starts in 1950 with a sample of what radio sounded like at that time. So um, radio was very different in England in 1950. Um, uh, London was recovering from um, a lot of bombing. It was very polluted. It was very, very busy. And I grew up right in the center of it. And so the smoke, people of the smoke, that the track that you were playing an excerpt from uh, refers to uh londoners you know it that was London was the smoke it was it was so polluted, and everything was was coal fired of course and I grew up opposite the uh, the Battersea power station, which was it, many years later of course Pig Floyd used that as the uh, as the backdrop for the flying pig for the animals album but it was it was the biggest building in in europe and it it powered half of london that thing that was the thing that I saw when I looked out of my bedroom window from Churchill Gardens, the, the apartments that we lived in at that time. So the whole album is, is, is a, it, it's a life story in just over 45 minutes.
2: Does the album then evolve as your career evolved from the beginning, as you mentioned, with Smokey London, moving on through your career with Genesis and beyond?
1: yeah it it brings in it brings in genesis and 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 uh, really the circus is a is a euphemism for the music business and uh, of course you know there're certain similarities once you join a rock and roll band and you're living out of a suitcase for the next you know uh, a decade or so that's that's how life took shape for me but it also goes through uh um early love and escapades and and, and and various things and the sort of claustrophobic nature of uh, certain situations you know a band can get very um, uh, can get very possessive of its members uh, when Peter Gable was the lead singer at that time he wanted to have a, a parallel solo career but um, uh, some of the guys in the band didn't want him to do that so he ended up leaving I had the same conundrum Myself, but I, I, I figure I, I made the right, the right choice. Um, even though Genesis was a favorite band of, of John Lennon's, um, you run about that golden period of 72 to 73 when we had the album Foxtrot that I'm playing live and um, sending it by the Pound. He said he thought we were true sons of the Beatles. So I, I think of that as, as a golden period which preceded my departure in 1977 from, from the band.
0: That must have been incredible mm-hmm. to hear that compliment coming from John Lennon at that time. I mean, in the. In, uh, it, yeah. yeah,
1: It's the best review I've ever had. You know, that's that's it. So um, whatever anyone says about, you know, that period, um, he was turned on by it. So um, I'm forever grateful that was the case, because we were we were huge fans of, uh, of the Beatles and still are.
2: And you mentioned the different eras that you played through, the seminal rock bands, the groundbreaking music. There is the element of, of music, rock and roll, all of that. But then did you feel like you, in your work, in your artistry, were doing something bigger, whether it was political or cultural or subversive? Because there was there such so many cultural changes in those decades at which you were at the very top.
1: Well, actually, yes, I think both with Genesis and, and beyond that, um, there was social comment on the albums, there was humor, there was all sorts of things. But, you know, I've been involved with with some things that have been more political, Rock Against Repatriation and uh, various things. And funnily enough, before the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine, uh, we'd just done a track called Natalia, which was about Russian repression. And it was done in the style of or the orchestration was in the style of prokofiev meets tchaikovsky and 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 stravinsky as well as being a rock song all you know the paradox is all all coming out in that in that one tune but um yes i i you know i i think that that you have to have a a pan genre approach you have to be not afraid to have social comment and not afraid to do love songs as well as not being afraid to do what guitarists do, which is to throw guitar salvos at, at, at people.
0: You, you know, I can't speak for what was happening in the early '70s. I know now that when an artist does get political, whether it's a rock band or an individual, people tend to push back at them and say, "You know what? I don't want to hear it. Just you know, just sing." And and I don't know if there's ever really been a time where politics and music have been completely separate.
1: Well, that's true. You know, that's 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 folk music. It's Woody Guthrie. It's it's Bob Dylan, "Blowing in the Wind," Peter Paul and Mary. All of that early stuff. You know, almost a sort of revivalist thing, um, where um, before Bob Dylan had become a truly uh, electric artist, and there were those who took issue with that. Um, but music has to evolve, and and move on, and of course, you know, you've got the stunning work there lyrically from him, which influences the Beatles and takes it out of the boy-girl scenario, and music starts to grow up somewhat. So the pan-genre approaches what follows with people who are listening to jazz and classical and pop and rock, and um, and they think all of those things are worth listening to, and that's how you, I guess, you end up with progressive stuff.
2: Steve, you have a lot of fans here, and especially there's a young producer. I don't know, might be 22? I think
0: he's 24. 24. 23, 24, yeah. Matt
2: Pajeski, so thrilled um, when he heard we were talking to you. He's got second-row tickets for your show here in April. And he, he wanted me to ask you about, in your upcoming, um, or on your, your second album, you had two members of Kansas play yes. with you, including Steve Walsh, and yes. wa- wanted to know... What, you know, how you went about asking to play with them, how you knew them, how that came about.
1: It's very interesting. Um, they had just had a hit with um, uh, Carry On Wayward Son" Sun and uh, Dust in the Wind, and I thought they were a great band. I can't remember how I got in touch with, um, it was Phil Earhart playing drums, who worked, in a way, he was a kind of manager of, of, of the band as well. Um, and in recent times, he's played some drums on, on, on uh, my my previous album, the, the one before this. Uh, but um, I, I thought they were great, you know, and I was very lucky on, on that album. I, I had, you know, stunning singing from Richie Havens. Genesis were huge fans of Richie Havens. And he supported us um, on uh, some really big London gigs that we were doing at the time, as we had supported him some years earlier. Uh, there was also Randy Crawford, who was um, uh, the singer on on Street Life. I don't believe that that she'd had um, huge hits in America, but she became a huge star in in uh, uh, not just the UK but in in, in Europe. So um, I, I I had a great vocal team on that on that album.
0: We are visiting with guitarist Steve Hackett with us here on KMOX. Um, we have a, a, another listener who is writing into the show and wants to know if you had ever been approached or had approached the members of Genesis for a reunion before. Uh, you know, Phil's been dealing with some health issues, but had that ever been in the works?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Peter Gabriel was the original singer with the band, and um, I was approached by the band to, to rejoin, to do Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, and also do it as a musical. Uh, so, yeah, we, we all did get together, and then um, it seemed like there was an objection by one of, one of the members of the band who said they thought that, that Lamb Lies Down on Broadway was far too complicated to make a musical. So that immediately lost Peter Gabriel's interest. And, um, and so, you know, so many great ideas, you know, founder on the rock of band politics, Suddenly, <laughs> uh, it takes everyone to tango at the same time. You know, It's a bit like a five-way marriage. It's, it's very, very tricky. Lucky to get two of you to agree, never mind anything else. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs>
2: we get it, yeah, for no, sure. T- absolutely, yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, you didn't start playing the guitar at all until, is it 12 years old? And were your influences classical, like opera, Bach, and so forth?
1: Well, funnily enough, those, those things came a little bit later. I mean, I was aware of Tchaikovsky, and I and I loved that. Uh, but um, really, I was listening to electric guitar stuff. The first record I bought was I was nine years old, and we had a band called The Shadows, who were the backing band for Cliff Richard, um, and they were having hits in their own right. The Shadows um, uh, they were a little bit like The Ventures, I guess you might call it. Was it be surf music? I I don't know, uh, but it, it's you know from the days when guitars used to, to twang a lot and they sounded a bit like uh, the Bonanza theme uh, that that was really that was really a, i guess a sort of country style in a way so that was my my early influences and then guitars learned to scream and cry and do wonderful things in the hands of of many including Jimi Hendrix of course
0: you know, you've spent so many years touring, and um, as we mentioned a moment ago, you'll be coming to St. Louis, The Factory, April 2nd. Uh, tickets are available at thefactorystl.com, by the way. Of all the the decades that you have been going at it and have been going on tour, different bands, a solo act, which you have a band if you're a, if you're a solo performer still, What what did you enjoy the most of all of those years of touring?
1: Oh, my God. I, I think, uh, well, there is nothing like the feeling of, of leaving a a crowd really, really happy. You know when it happens, when they're really, really happy and they're on their feet. Um, because, you know, everyone goes on stage thinking, will it, won't it? You know, you, you go on stage for a lifetime of, of things that, that, that might go wrong. And most of the time they don't, and everything goes right. But, you know, occasionally the stage might catch fire. There might be a flood. There could be anything. And um, uh, you just, at the end of it, you take this huge risk by going out, delivering something live. Much like seeing Cirque du Soleil that I I, I saw yesterday at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm going to play later in the year myself. But, you know, and you see death-defying stuff going on. But it's all live at any moment. You know what? What could happen? The lights could go out. Um, the drummer could fall over. Um, a woman could have a a baby in the front row. I mean, anything <laughs> could happen. And it's and all these things happen and more in in the course of you know the colourful life in rock and roll. It's just it's just the way it is. But to leave them standing, leave them happy, that is everything. And I'm always completely exhausted, but fired up at the end of it. You know, and uh, I just love doing it.
0: You mentioned Royal Albert Hall. Just real quick, is that place yep. as cool in person as it looks?
1: Uh, well, I, I think it's a favorite venue. I mean, it, it's the favorite London venue. I, I've played larger places. I've played smaller places, but uh, to do that again, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's worth going to to the, uh, to the Royal Albert Hall to even see a dog show or wrestling. They've hosted all sorts of things. Um, but, you know, it's known, of course, for classical stuff, but uh, rock bands play it rather a lot. Eric Hudson plays there. Marillion, my pals, are playing there. Um, yeah, it's 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 a wonderful venue. It's it's theatre in the round. It's it's extraordinary.
0: Well, Steve, it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and we're looking forward to to having you in St. Louis, April second, at the Factory. Um, thefactorystl.com if you want to get tickets. His new album is The Circus and The Night Whale. It will be available February 16th, so a little bit less than a month away from now. And as he said, a great val...
3: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs and yes, even the commissioner of baseball Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in. Baseball has been boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. you'll be glad you did.
0: Valentine's Day gift. So, <laughs> yeah. so get it for somebody. Steve, it was awesome to thank talk you. to you.
1: Th- thank you very Brilliant. much for joining us. Thank you Chris us. and Amy. Thank you. Nice talking to you both. Thank All you the best. so
2: much. Thank you.
0: That is guitarist Steve Hackett with us. Matt so Pajeski must be absolutely thrilled.
2: I love it. Matt Pajeski knows music is a huge music fan. He
0: he texted earlier today and he said is Steve coming in or are mm. you doing it on the phone and I said I think it's a phone interview and he goes, "Oh man." I know. He was going to come in early.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's, That's how happened, I am with Bob Costas.
0: <laughs> that happened uh my my old job 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, U2 was on tour and no. they came the whole band came into the studio. No. It, it was unbelievable. It was it, They went to uh, XRT, which is a, an alternative rock station, mm-hmm. been around 50 years. Um, they went to see those guys because that station helped them break into the country, you know, back in the early 80s. So they were very uh, grateful for that station. Uh, they were all coming in. We got rumors that they were coming in. And so I went to work like eight hours early because <laughs> I just wanted to be there. And I'm not kidding you. They walked in with these giant... Irish bodyguards <laughs> and you couldn't get close to them. Mm-hmm. They all they were it was like if somebody came into KMOX, mm-hmm. it was you know, it's not like there were a thousand people swarming them. It was like a dozen. Yeah. Maybe two dozen and they blocked us all <laughs> so we couldn't get close. Bono touched my hand though, so that was cool. And
2: you haven't watched it since. I
0: still it's been since like two thousand nine. That's gross. My hand is stinky. <laughs> it's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Chris and Amy on KMOX. A uh, really great conversation with Steve Hackett, who is a guitarist coming to town April 2nd to the factory. Um,
2: I did not know that the Genesis album Selling England by the Pound was mm-hmm. one of John Lennon's favorite albums
0: That's, of all time. I didn't know that either.
2: That's awesome. It's,
0: it's a, As I said to him, a great compliment. What a compliment to get uh, from John Lennon. So we will um, have... That I think it was probably not yet available, but it should be available soon on the Odyssey app. If you missed the interview after the show, go back and catch it. So you can listen to it kmox.com as well. Also, as we speak, the Department of Justice is holding a press conference. They have been investigating the Uvalde response from the police officers in Texas at the time of that uh, massacre, and they are revealing the results of that investigation and so we're going to have some sound from that coming up in the show before we are done today at one o'clock but the press conference is still ongoing and I think we're probably going to just have reiterated for us a lot of the things that we already knew that the mm-hmm. response time was absolutely lousy that uh, police did not do as much as they could have done or should have done and I'm guessing that's what the findings will show us. Ugh, so,
2: Just absolute uh, nightmare. And, and heartbreaking, and I think it's easy for us to move on with the news cycle, but there, those families, it's a nightmare that will stay with them forever.
0: What Will it be two years now, right, coming mm-hmm. up in a few months? In spring, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Amy Marks, cores Chris Ranji. When we come back, Matt Pauly, host of Sports Open Line, will join us next on KMOX. This Cardinals report is brought to you by Renner Garage Door. R-E-N-N-E-R. Forward and back. Family owned and top rated. Renner Door. S-T-L dot com. It is time to bring in our sports fella. Matt Pauly, joins us <clears throat> on the Quiver River, Quiver River Electric guest line. You all right?
3: Matt? Me? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I heard did, a noise. Did I,
4: might, did my might get turned on or my pot could go up. Uh, clear no, no,
0: no. There was like a... It sounded like a cough or a choke or something. Yeah, that so, was me. That,
4: I, I guess a cough, clearing the throat, all the same thing. Okay, just making sure you're okay. <laughs> I'm, I mistimed I miss my cough. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> you really did. Yeah, <laughs> I was poorly timed.
0: <laughs> Poor Matt Pauly. Do you think that we give you too much? Oh, Amy, uh, you got to hear this. Matt was on the uh, Cardinals Caravan over the Kay. weekend.
2: Oh, geez. We had the
0: winter warm-up in yeah. the Cardinals yeah. Caravan. He went to, where'd you go, Evansville?
4: Uh, no, I went to uh, Mattoon, Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, Carlisle, Illinois,
0: Kater, Illinois. Okay, yeah. and somebody came up to him and said that uh, he feels sorry for him because we are very mean to Matt.
2: That's not true. Yep.
0: Is that that's true? What it, that's what he said. No, it, the, the story is true. Whether or not you guys are mean to me or not, that could be
4: argued, but the fact that that happened is a 100% truth.
0: Yeah, we're definitely not mean to you.
2: I'm just glad we had some uh, listeners at the Cardinals caravan. Yeah, all over the place. That's awesome.
0: The state of Illinois loves us. They
2: love us. I think it's because Ron just from Granite
0: City. Hell yeah, bro. All right. You know,
4: I remember when I was in high school, I was playing freshman football. And uh, I went to Ladue, and we were playing freshman football against Granite City at Granite City And we convinced one of the players on the team that Granite City was so far away that we were going to have to take a plane to get there.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Hey, I will tell you this. When I was in college, there was a guy on our team um, at Illinois State, really, really good basketball player, not the brightest kid. And I had friends who were on the team and they relayed this story and all of them confirmed it, that they were getting ready. You know how early season, um, always in like November, there are these tournaments that Take place in Hawaii. There's the Maui oh. invitational. There's a uh, something in Honolulu. Where they were going to, I think, the Honolulu tournament. And, okay. and they're having a pre-you know, meeting. Um, you know, like, hey, next week we're going to the tournament. Here's what you need to pack because we're going to be gone. And this dude asked the question honestly: are we taking the bus? <laughs> to Hawaii. Well, That's amazing. They are not taking the bus to Hawaii. No. Anyway. Hey, so we got the news earlier this morning that Adam Wainwright is going to be an analyst for Fox Sports uh, coming up the baseball season and apparently we will be doing a lot of games, Matt.
4: Yeah, that's great news. I think we all knew that it was going in that direction. The only question was how many games would he end up doing at the end of the season last year? He expressed the desire to return to Fox in some capacity. He also expressed the desire to maybe do some Cardinal games for, uh, for Bally, And I don't know if that's going to happen or, or not, but uh, certainly him doing the, he was so good last year. You know, the one thing he did last year, he did the thing where he explained the difference between a sweeper and a slider and the video went absolutely viral. And I think moments like that and people like him are really important because you know, a sweeper is kind of a new pitch. It's not something that's been around that long. And there's a lot of old school baseball folks who just think it's this newfangled thing and it's not real. And we're just putting, you know, all it is is a slider and we're just putting new names on things just to make us sound smart. And then he's able to go on and give a clear explanation of the difference between a sweeper and a slider and really defined what a sweeper was. And I think that's important for baseball, because what that does is it allows kind of people who won't accept some of these new things to realize, OK, there, there is a difference and it's important and this has a place in our game.
2: Well, and speaking of broadcast, I know that, uh, Chris, you and John Hancock were talking about this earlier with Diamond Sports. Buying, or with, I should say, Amazon. Amazon, yeah. Buying Diamond Sports, which runs Bally Sports, which on which you can watch the Cardinals and the Blues. Uh, With that being said, I know things are fine for the Cardinals for this upcoming season, but are the Cardinals thinking about having their own stream or their own uh, service so that they would be separate from Bally Sports? I know some teams have floated that idea.
4: Yeah, so. There's a lot of things up in the air right now. Uh, the DeWitts talked about this at, at winter warm-up on, on Saturday or Sunday, I think it was or Sunday or Monday. And basically everything that they've said uh, maybe isn't so, so true anymore, not because they weren't telling the truth, but because of this Amazon thing coming in. Now, the really important thing to remember is this has not yet been approved, and Amazon is coming in here trying, they're more worried about the streaming rights to these games than they are about uh, being able to be involved in the over-the-air. They're investing in Bally as a as a route to get to being able to stream games. Bally only controls the streaming rights to four Major League teams, and the Cardinals are not one of them. Uh, Amazon had offered them something like a week ago, and Major League Baseball immediately turned it down because the first offer from Amazon included streaming rights for all the teams that Bally was associated with. And the respective team said, hold on, wait, no way. So uh, Amazon doesn't do this unless they think that they can get the streaming rights. Those are very, very valuable to the respective teams. So Major League Baseball is going to take a long look at this deal, and they're going to let Amazon know whether or not there's much of a chance that they're going to be able to acquire uh, these various streaming rights. If that deal doesn't go through, then yeah, there absolutely is an opportunity for the Cardinals after this upcoming season. This upcoming season, 2024, everything is going to be just as it has always been. But when you look at 2025, uh, the Cardinals could create their own streaming service. They could create their own uh, regional sports network and go in with the Blues and, and basically take the spot of Valley where they're producing everything on their own. Uh, they could start producing games and working out carriage agreements with different channels across uh, the you know across the region. So I, I'm probably getting into the weeds a little bit right now when I talk about this, but basically the bottom line is. It's a big deal what was just reported with Amazon, but nothing has been uh, solidified quite yet.
0: Actually, the bottom line is all the games are accessible on KMOX and Mm -hmm. uh, the Odyssey app, and they're totally free, and you don't have to worry about any of this nonsense. But I do do think that at least for 2024, everything remains as is, right? Yeah. And and it's really about what happens after.
4: Exactly. And the bummer for 2024 is still that the people that have YouTube TV and some of the Hulu live TV, there's no indication that there's going to be an agreement with Bally. So there's a lot of people that have been pushed out from Cardinals baseball because of who they're getting their TV from. Uh, I think that's going to change in 2025, even if this Amazon thing does happen. I think there's pressure from Major League Baseball and from the teams to make sure that as many eyeballs can be on the product as possible, that that's going to happen. But as you allude to, Ranj, we're not so worried about the uh, the eyeballs here at Camo X. We're worried about the, uh, the eardrums.
0: Ears.
2: The earballs. You yep. need earballs. <laughs> well, okay. You know, looking at this with the streaming and everything that's going on with Diamond Sports and Amazon, and then taking into consideration – what seemed to be the one-off on Peacock with the Chiefs playoff game. Do you see that as a one-off where it's basically a billboard for Peacock? It's not going to have any more NFL games. It's just doing it to get new subscribers. Or do you see the NFL splintering broadcasts into those streaming services permanently?
1: Yeah,
4: Well, they already have Thursday Night Football's on Amazon every week, so... That's streaming only. Uh, There's going to be more and more streaming. I know a lot of people don't like to hear it. What I always remind people is there was a point where games were on over the air tv and not a lot of people at cable and then all of a sudden it, games went to cable and people had to make a change people had to subscribe to cable people people had to get cable boxes we're at that next big juncture in sports television where yes there's going to be games on streaming does it stink that you know there's gonna be a friday night game on apple and a sunday morning game on on peacock and a sunday night game on espn and a saturday afternoon game on fox and, all the midweek games on, on Valley except for maybe a random midweek game that's on YouTube. Like, yeah, I, I get that from a fan perspective and being able to go all those places, it's not great. But you know who we never hear complaining? We never hear college basketball fans complaining. One day your game's on ESPN+. Plus. The next day your game's on ESPN2. Like, there, there is uh, one you know, the afternoon you're on CBS. There's never any consistency in other sports, college, football, college, basketball, in where these games are, are ended up. There's a lot of Big Ten basketball games this year that are on Peacock. And honestly, I haven't heard, I haven't heard boo from, from anybody complaining about that. So I don't know what it is about baseball. I don't know if it's the, uh, the everyday nature of it. Obviously, an NFL playoff game is something a little bit different because of the amount of interest. But this is just where we're at. Uh, the, these, these streaming services are the, the next – generation of how we're going to watch sports and more and more games are going to end up on them
0: i I would say the difference with college is that depending on what university you go to all of your games aren't always on tv in the past now you can find them in different places so people are just thankful that they're on somewhere i would say um what is a one last thing before we let you go a texter wants to know how your tight lungs are
4: Oh, you know what? I, I was, I'm doing pretty good. I, was, good. I lost my voice for a second time a couple of weeks ago. I had to take a couple of days off. That's right. But uh, I'm feeling good right now. I think my voice sounds good. So you guys tell me, do I, do I sound all right? Yeah, you oh, sound fine. Your
2: lungs sound loose.
0: Yeah, you sound okay. very, very, very
2: loose. Very loose lungs. Mm-hmm. You
4: know, I got a I got an inhaler from one doctor. I actually have another doctor. I have an e t appointment in a couple weeks. Just Ear, nose, to and throat. Take, take a look around to make sure everything's okay. But uh, I think I'm doing good.
0: Matt Pauly, good to talk to you. Sports open line tonight? No, no, what? not sports open Oh, oh, open oh! Uh, countdown to opening day tonight, six yeah. o'clock. Can I can I plug what's going on? No. Yes, go ahead. I am sitting right now
4: at one Cardinal Way, and nice in building. about ten fifteen minutes, John Moselok is going to uh, come over here, and I'm going to have probably thirty thirty five minutes or so with the Cardinals president of baseball operations, and that's going to be extended conversation, getting into a lot of things, and that's going to be a big part of tonight's countdown to opening day show.
2: You know, that was a better plug than a 737
0: Max 9. Oh, God, Amy. You were just waiting to get that in. <laughs> I, yeah.
2: was, I was so excited.
0: Matt doesn't follow the news. He doesn't even know what that means.
2: He's got to follow sports. There are too many sports to follow.
0: That's right. Baseball that's is the, a lot. It's the plane where the door falls off, right? Wow, wow. Look good look job, that.
2: And hmm. on the way to Denver, I flew in the exit row huh. and watched. I'm glad that. you're still with us, Amy. I know Congrats I couldn't.
0: Been... i being alive.
2: Thank you. I could have been sucked out the airplane.
0: Could have <laughs> been. Wouldn't that have been awful? <laughs> See, hey, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Pauly. Countdown to opening day tonight, six to eight o'clock, right here on KMOX. Okay,
2: I'm so excited about this. I, we had a dilemma. Mason Jar had a dilemma. We're going to talk about it. Oh, next. on your
0: trip yeah. that you went to yep. to Hidden Valley? Yep. All right. Amy Marks, Core's Chris Ron G on KMOX.
2: Ron, I don't know if you heard about the weather in Colorado because I you, mean, you guys were we having weather, weather here. Yeah. So I we didn't had, care about
0: what was happening with you.
2: No, we had blizzards. Blizzards. They closed the ski lifts on several days. On Saturday, actually, in Keystone, It was just shut down. The mountain was shut down because they had high winds, severe cold. I think one day it was like negative 10 when we woke up. And the wind chills were like upwards of negative 30. And first of all, I'm just amazed that skiing is legal. Like you're sitting on a little bench with a bar, a flimsy bar over your waist, going on a 30-minute ride up a mountain in high winds and blizzard conditions. At one point, there was a whiteout. So both on the, I should say at multiple points, there were whiteouts on the lift. The lifts had to come to a stop while you just kind of start swinging in the wind. You can't even see the chair in front of you. Very disorienting. Did and that it, thing
0: happen? Like that one malfunctioned? Um, on no, the, nothing, the lift nothing. It was throwing people off of it. Did that happen?
2: Thankfully, no, okay. no. But they did shut down the gondolas because the gondolas were swinging. And then on the way down, all of a sudden the winds picked up. Now in Rocky Mountain National Park and other places, the winds were upwards of 70 miles an hour. Not where we were, but maybe 40, 50 miles an hour because at times it would almost blow you over. The the snow was whipping around. You couldn't even see. Because of all that, the driving became treacherous on Highway 70. And they actually just shut down the highway while they did avalanche mitigation where they blow up the snow, clear the snow so that cars don't get buried because cars did get buried. Well, while we were stopped on our way from Keystone to Denver, which should take about two hours— took about four hours to get from Keystone to Denver. And at one point, we were stopped for about 75 to 80 minutes, just completely stopped. Then we started crawling, right, crawling through the Eisenhower Tunnel towards Denver. Now, at this point, it's been maybe four or five hours since we've used a bathroom. Mason jar had to be. Okay. <sighs> but we're stuck in the car. We're stuck in 70, and you're in the mountains. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing you can do. You're crawling along. You can't—we're going to miss our flight, so we can't stop. We're going to miss our flight if we stop at all. So there uh, was—one of the kids had a Gatorade, and that bottle could potentially come in handy. So one of the kids finished the Gatorade so that the bottle was empty. And then that is the option that Mason Jar had was the Gatorade bottle. Would you have tried to hold it, or would you have used a Gatorade bottle?
0: Well, first of all, um, <laughs> you're telling this story as if this is the first time you've ever heard of this maneuver.
2: To be completely honest, I've never been in the car. I thought it was an urban myth, a legend.
0: No, it is not.
2: Um, there, all... are,
0: there are a lot of people who refuse to stop on yeah, trips, yeah, and so they will go in, in a Gatorade, Gatorade bottle. bottle. I have, can't believe this is really you didn't think this was a real thing? Now I'm not one of those people. I will stop. Have you ever done it? No. Oh. I you know what? If I have, it's been a long time and I don't remember. Yeah. But I always stop. It's fine. Stop. Go to the Wally's. You can't,
2: you're gonna miss the airplane. They're gonna miss, you're the, gonna plane. miss the
0: airplane. <laughs> you're gonna miss the airplane. This point. is I can't believe sometimes you're, guess, like, you me. are so innocent. <laughs> wow, he peed in a Gatorade bottle. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. I knew people. Do people Amy, do it
2: while driving? Amy. Is that legal?
0: Yes, they do. 314-436-7900 <laughs> have you peed Texas. In a Gatorade bottle while driving? Listen, I I I know people. Yeah. When we were in the dorms. Yeah. Back living in in the dorms in college, mm-hmm. and, the, and the bathroom is down the hallway, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to have to get up to go. <laughs> no. They would yeah, oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. I knew at least two people on my floor who did it yep and they would leave it and it would it's gross they would leave the bottle under the bed yeah. and they would let it they That's would just disgusting. use it and Did they then, put the lid back on well yeah but then they would um I remember I remember one was like one of those old glass Gatorade bottles yeah kind of like glass yeah they used to be made of glass I
2: didn't know
0: that so um I remember that and he would empty it out periodically
2: that's disgusting. He would put
0: it under the bed because everybody had their beds on cinder blocks for some reason. Because you could store things under, I guess. That's why. So have and you, he would hide it behind uh, some stuff.
2: So you have or you have not been in a car when someone used a Gatorade bottle? Um, You haven't. I don't know if somebody See? else has done it. See, and you were blaming me for never having been in this situation. I think
0: I may have been when somebody in the back seat did it. Texter here says it is a staple move in an (laughs) 18-wheeler.
2: Really? Yeah. So the drivers?
0: Yeah. I I totally see that because pulling off the road with a big tractor trailer is a process, you know? You don't want to stop for that. You go in the Gatorade bottle. Amy and Chris on KMOX.